do you remember when your first sort of memory or like encounter with fashion came along? Was it with a magazine? Was it where did you discover fashion? Yeah, um, it was around when I was fourteen. I realized there was this other world of high fashion, like kind of floating on a cloud above the world that I had already kind of understood of things that were at stores and clothes that were at the mall, but. Um, and I, I, it, was, it was actually the original Details magazine that I saw a lot of it, and ID magazine, of course, was very influential. Because um, they were showing so much, uh, again, it was the mix. There was like the, the street pictures of kids wearing the clothes on the street and how they really dressed themselves. And mm -hmm. then there was the high fashion runway elements, and then there was the things that were kind of mixed together by stylists and shoots and it was just kind of the, all of it was very intoxicating and mm. and I just kind of fell in love with this this world and I was just determined that that was where I belonged um, not on the farm of course but in this other world. The period where you went on to sort of study fashion was that very formative because that was quite a difficult you know you've talked before about trying to sort sure. of break in trying to intern find places to work was that quite a formative time in your aesthetic and how did you keep that ambition going? Yeah, I mean, definitely when I went to school, I was not really prepared for the amount of hard work that it really entails to be a designer, because mm. I didn't know what it really entailed. I just liked clothes and I liked style, and I, you know, didn't, you know, I did not know how to cut and sew and make patterns and drape and all of the stuff that I was suddenly was thrown into and. Um, I had no preconceived idea about and I had no um, prerequisite of abilities for. So I kind of was in a panic. I remember my first year of college because I really didn't know how I was going to do it. And it just kind of was one of those things where, you know, you got to the breaking point where, you, you know, it either was going to happen or it wasn't. And then finally, okay, it, it happened. I started to be able to wrap my brain around it and be able to catch up to, you know, most, I think everyone else in my class had already had like sewing lessons and had been taught to sew by their mom or something else. There was like all this other stuff and I kind of was just like, hey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like here I am. So, um, and then from there going on to, like I moved to Paris three months after I graduated from yeah. school because I really um, wanted to kind of immerse myself into this world of high fashion that I had always emulated in the magazines and, and imagined about and I just wanted to go and get an internship and, and just even pick pins off the floor from you know an atelier of a designer that I, I respected and um, it just sadly it didn't happen. I, I tried and tried and tried and um, it was just was a very like closed door situation there. I had no connections and I had no um, letters of recommendation or whatever else it needed to kind of get through the front door. Mm. And then ultimately um, there was, a, it was like grifting around, staying on people's couches and people's floors and slept in the subway one night. And you know, it was kind of just, homeless and trying to figure it out and then um, this one French kid was like well if you're so great then just do it yourself and um, I thought well yeah fuck you I will and that's because kind of my attitude I took that challenge and and I just thought okay yeah I'm gonna put on my own show and I'll do this and not really thinking more about it as like going forward of where it would end but just that immediate moment and how 
immediate it was for me to kind of be able to express myself because it was burning inside me. It was, mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was, yeah, I was wearing anything I could to express what my thoughts were um, about fashion. And then I wasn't having the outlet to kind of f- further that until I could, you know, show it as a collection. Mm-hmm. So I pulled everything together, pulled my resources, there was friends that said, oh, I could do lighting. I'm, you know, I have lighting from my art exhibition. And someone's like, oh, I can do the sound. And someone else is like, oh, I know a venue. And, you know, people that I knew that could model. And it was just kind of just threw it together. And it just kind of happened. And miracle, miraculously enough, it kept happening and happening and happening and happening again for the last 15 years. <laughs> I'm interested in this idea of idols because we've talked about it a little bit. but. What is it, in your opinion, that makes something sort of iconic or an idol? Why do you, because you've done, you know, Bart Simpson and everything from... Sure. What is it that makes something iconic? Well, I think it's the, the thought that, you know, you can convey, um, convey a message without having to even speak because they're so universal and recognizable. And that's what's so attractive about icons. I mean, when, you know, Mickey Mouse is basically, you know, something that someone in, in Dubai and boom, you know, Mumbai, Dubai, and London, and Kansas City, and, you know, all over the world can all kind of, um, you know, have a, a concept, you know, conception of. So mm-hmm. if you're doing something, you're twisting something around Mickey Mouse, it's, it's easily understood and so instantaneous. And I feel like that's kind of the, the thing about icon, icons, and it, it just is such a, it's like a way to, speak more loudly and, and clearly to more people and I feel like it's a global language yeah and that's what's so attractive about it to me it goes back to pop culture and, and to communication and to and to being a populist and, and trying to you know have a message that can be um, understood I feel like a lot of times people can look at my shows and really pretty much understand it whether they're in mm-hmm. fashion or not it doesn't mean they have to like it it's just that they understand it and it's not so you know, um, like you need a dissertation to understand it. Like sometimes um, lofty high fashion can have that kind of feeling. Like you have to understand that these were some, you know, minimalist black paintings that were 15 times painted black with 15 shades of black. And that's what these pants are inspired by. It's like a bunch of malarkey as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's like, okay, you like black, you know, it's not my world, that kind of um, mentality. And I think what's more exciting to me are things that can be more universal. But you, you have been quite critical of the industry. Like you made some interesting points about how you, know, you said like the work of so many designers, it looks so the same and you can't tell whose is whose. And do you find it quite a frustrating environment to be in sometimes? It's because I love it so much. I won't think of myself as being critical, but as being passionate. And I love fashion, and I, I grew up loving fashion being so distinctly different, where there were so many different voices and so many different houses, and there were so many different styles that were all coexisting at the same time. And that was what was the beauty of it to me. And I feel like so much of that has been, has been lost with uh, things have become a lot more, you know, like there's a homogeneous quality mm-hmm. to fashion, and there's reasons behind it 
for it because of things like you know factories all making you know several different brands and things then become more similar because of that and even the you know the, the superstar stylists that have come up you know in the last you know decade or so where you know they're working for this house and this house and this yeah. house so they're carrying the same you know kind of transmitting the same energy to these different you know houses and and that's making things more similar um, you know, there's so many different reasons and probably even more that I don't even know or think about, but what may, it just makes me sad because I feel like what's so great are these unique voices and I feel like that's what the ultimate goal as a designer should be is to have a distinct voice and a distinct vision and, you know, uh, something that's different than, than someone else. Mm. I actually want to go back a little bit and talk about some of your earlier work because there is one collection which you've probably been asked to death about but I want to ask about that gold collection. Sure. Because obviously it caused so much controversy and sure. people you know, got very angry about it, some people called it misogynistic. What were you actually trying to say with that collection? What was... Um, that collection was called contrepied, which is a French term for... Um, it almost means like against foot, but it means going against the tide of things. And at that moment, we rewind fashion history. Um, there was a very great designer that was very popular at that time named Helmut Lang, the real actual man named Helmut Lang, who designed that collection. And um, basically, you know, he was kind of ruling the roost in fashion and you know, he's the reason why New York started going f first at that time. It was, I think it was Paris, Milan, New York. I mm -hmm. think it was, it went that direction, but he flipped from Paris to New York and he was able to even change the whole uh, calendar. And that's mm -hmm. how much people gave him attention and respect about what he's doing. And it was, you know, he's famous for doing very minimal, sleek, no fuss on the go um, clothes. And, you know, I was reacting against that kind of, because basically he set the gold standard and everyone else was emulating this look. Mm. And um, being the young buck that I was, I, you know, I was already through with that look, you know, and I, I, wanted, I wanted to put my imprint and that was something much more, um, in a way, ostentatious and I, at that time, I mean, it's hard to even imagine that, like, the fact that the color gold, like gold metallic, was so decadent and 80s and not at all something um, seen as, you know, fashionable. And uh, that doing a show in completely out of, like, gold lame, gold leather, gold 24 karat gold plated chain. Uh, gold uh, fired porcelain corsets with gold um, actual gold you know being fired as the as the um, as the finish that that would be so shocking and decadent but it was and um, I also had the other kind of flip point was that I had um, Christian Louboutin it was I think the first time we worked together he did my shoes exactly and I'd always heard these stories growing up about Marilyn Monroe sawing down one of her high heels a little bit so she would have this sexy gait when she walked. And I always was fascinated by this story. And so I wanted to kind of emulate that. So we did one high heel and one lower heel. And the whole collection was kind of about that. Even the makeup was kind of split in the middle. So one side was kind of made up more like glamorous and one was 
like made down to be more soft. Um, it was very much inspired by a, a Scavulo photo of, of Gia where she was, they showed like the half the makeup. And so that was kind of the starting point. So I was thinking about everything and there was like one slave would be like this exaggerated leg mouton and then the other side was kind of more of a pointed, you know, uh, going in the other direction uh, type sleeve. So there was kind of this kind of breaking everything. There was peplums and they were kind of angled to the side so they'd flip out to one side but almost be non-existent on the other. So it was all kind of about breaking it in half in that sense. And so that was also part of the high heel and mm -hmm. the, sh the hair. Everything was kind of done in, in that kind of manner. And um, you know, I think that a lot of it had to be the brouhaha had to be that, you know, I had just done a very all-white collection, um, which was exactly what I had wanted to do, and people got very excited about it. Um, Isabella Blow came, and she had started championing me and um, just being super supportive, and she had just been so famously um, kind of on the fashion scene for discovering McQueen amongst others. and. Um, you know, it's just everyone's really paying attention to these these kind of, you know, interworkings. And so from the the white collection to the gold collection, all these people turned up. Anna Wintour, you know, Andre Leon Talley, all these, you know, fashion, you know, big deals came to the show. And they came, I think, expecting to see something like the show they had, you know, not been at, but seen images of. And it was different. And it wasn't what they were expecting. And it was... It was, for me, I didn't change voices, is what I'm trying to say, is like the white show and the gold show, I, I was already designing the gold show and it's already a continuation of the white show as far as me as an artist and as a, as a creative individual and as a designer, but I think the perception was so different. <clears throat> and so um, it just kind of was, it was too much for people to handle for that moment, which is kind of amazing to be able to do something shocking without trying to shock and something that could go down in history where people were like, he should never design again, this is outrageous, this is, you know, all this stuff. I mean, it was filthy some of the things people said about me. And, you know, it, 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 was, it, it was very much the old establishment though, because, you know, the clothes were shot and in every amazing magazine, they were, you know, all the stylists and all the young people got it, loved it. And it was a real break in the time of, of of the old establishment and, and that there was a new young guard coming up and that was kind of very interesting and it was a it was a very difficult time because you know I was 22 or something and I had not had that much experience in, in things and it's like one day everyone's telling you you're fabulous and you're amazing and you're like the next thing and then people are telling you you should basically die um, you know it was definitely traumatic and a lot you know things and I you know I learned a big lesson and mm -hmm. I definitely grew thicker skin and it's been something that served me well and I don't get caught up in what people say anymore, good or bad. I love a nice compliment like any other human being and I can take a punch just like any grown man and I'm not going to let those things now, you know, break me and I, I know who I am and I, I have to do what I, what I feel is right. And that was what was a very distinct thing because I don't think it had really happened and I don't know if I've even seen it happen so much since, but it was definitely a very, um, it was a very interesting moment. Mm.